This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. Hello. Welcome to the qualification meeting. I'm a food addict from Florida, and I'll be the leader for this hour. After a moment of silence, would you join me in the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here, and uh, I had to call my sponsor uh, before it started because I said I forgot my I forgot my share. I've heard so many shares, I forgot my own. And she said, no, she's heard me hundreds of times. I didn't forget my share. Um, so uh, let's see. I'll start from the beginning. I grew up in San Francisco. I'm 69 years old. Uh, so when I grew up in San Francisco, uh, we didn't have TV. My mom didn't drive a car. She never learned to drive a car. Uh, my parents were older. I had a brother. Uh, we lived in a walk-up flat. And... My dad was a um, blue-collar worker, and we had a very simple life. And I remember being afraid most of the time, afraid of my dad, afraid of life, afraid to go to kindergarten. Uh, I remember that really distinctly. But I didn't gain a lot of weight because my mom was not a good cook. She 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 boiled everything out of a can or use the pressure cooker. It was just not good. Um, but what I did do is suck my thumb. And I think I sucked my thumb until I was seven years old. And at which point um, my parents taped my mouth shut in order for me to stop. And so it was drastic measures. It seems like drastic measures is reoccurring in my life as well. Um, so we grew up in this small apartment, and since my parents were older, my dad was in his 40s, um, my mom was right behind him, uh, we just never had company over our house. We, we didn't, I didn't get to have friends come over, I didn't have, we didn't have relatives come over, and it was just uh, a lot of isolation even as a kid. So being afraid and not having any other ideas come into my head, I was... I pretty much filled in the blanks and, uh, and so as they come into this program, I see, I see that the truth, you know, I thought my parents were older and I always wanted other people's parents. Uh, I wanted what my brother had. I wanted what the kids at school had. I wanted anything but what I had. And so I had this discontent throughout my life and, so uh, I remember 
uh, my brother telling me, oh, you're left-handed and you have green eyes. You're a witch. I thought, oh. and I said, no, I'm not. And then I would say, am I, you know, in my head? Um, and so it was, it was things like that. I mean, I just, my head was filled with all kinds of fear and doubt and insecurity, but it didn't show up on my body because I sucked my thumb and then my mom didn't cook well and we didn't have company over. So, um, that's, that's part of it. The interesting part was that I isolated a lot coming home from school. I just go to my room or do my homework, um, but when I was at school, I was really outgoing and friendly. I wanted people to like me. I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be like them, not like me. And so I had this, you know, kind of a double-sided personality, very friendly on the outside in my house, closed up and isolating. Um, so uh, the thing is, I remember distinctly in this program recognizing I married my first husband because of his family. I wanted his family. They were of ethnic group. They had huge dinners. His mom worked. She had her own car. They'd go on vacations and take movies and watch the movies. Oh man, we never did anything like that. So I wanted his family. And so I married into his family and then it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that at all. He was, I didn't notice, you know, my parents never drank, but in his family, they drank, but I didn't see it at first. I got married at 18. And so, yeah, that, that didn't turn out well, choosing because I wanted something else. And that's really what fear, doubt, and insecurity does for me. That's what food addiction does for me. It chooses the choices I, I, I don't see well. I don't think clearly. I make choices that aren't right. And then, and then there I am. So, um, yeah, we married, I remember we bought our first home and we borrowed the down payment from my parents who were the simple people that only lived in an apartment. We borrowed the down payment from them. We bought the home as we were moving in. I remember looking across the street and saying, Oh, we should have got that house. It's just, there's no end to this dissatisfaction I have. Um, so time went by, uh, you know, food addiction really began to take on its role in my life. Um, it soothed me, it comforted me, it entertained me. Uh, it, it helped me not to see what was really going on. My husband was a drinker. Sometimes he'd come home. Sometimes he'd come home with a paycheck and sometimes not. And so as time went by, you know, the food just filled in the need that I had. Um, but eventually, um, my ex-husband called and said, he's not coming back home and tell the kids he's sorry. And so there was about like three years. I really sought a higher power and, um, that, that really helped me. I, I, I didn't continue to gain weight. So for three years that, that took the place. God really showed up for me because I called on God, like, like our ABCs tell us, you know, you seek God, you'll find God. But, um, yeah, after three years, um, you know, and things got tough. We moved from a big four bedroom home to, um, a town home. I had to park in the front because in the back was too scary. Um, 
you know, I had to go from part-time work to full-time work and I had two and three jobs to get the kids school and, and the things they did. So it was, it was tough. And, you know, as we, as we go along as food addicts, I mean, depending on food, it's just an empty promise. It's like a mirage. I'd run for it. I'd get it, but then it would be gone. And so, um, time went by my kids as a single mom, you know, I, I got by and then, um, it just seemed to the fear, doubt and insecurity in my life. I seemed to just continually make bad decisions. I remember I had a really good job. I was a vice president of a very good company. I had over 200 people that reported to me and I remember they sent the payroll sheets to home to me and it was supposed to be my payroll sheet. It was all the vice president's payroll sheets in this particular department and I was making less money and they were doing, um, in other words, I was higher on the list of performance and I was getting less money. I was so furious. Then I had my um, my review, my quarterly review, and I was criticized. And, you know, I'm, I was like a boil by then. I was like, touch me here. Ow, ow, ow. It was just everything was, I was so super sensitive and eating all the time. Um, so what I decided to do was I quit. I quit this job that I have like 20 years because they weren't treating me right, you know. And then, of course, after I made the decision, I saw, oh, no. So I moved in with my son. I, I lived in Los Angeles at the time, packed my bags and all my belongings and moved in with my son who, who I don't know. Hi, Mom. <laughs> yeah, come on. I mean, what are they going to say? And so I decided to go back to school. And, and I say going back to school, I don't know why I say that, because I never went to college. I decided to go to college and that was, that's what was missing in me. A degree. I need a degree. Even though I had a really well paid high position job, I need a degree. That's what's going to fix me. So I, I went to college for one year, the first year without FA and it was horrible. I couldn't remember what I read. I'd read it over and over. I couldn't make sense of anything. I didn't know what next classes I needed to take to complete the degree. And then I found FA. It was a meeting in Cupertino. I came in November 21st, 1997. And I met a sweet little lady who came up and said she'd sponsor me. And she wasn't so sweet. You know, that night she was sweet and she told me what to get. I got to get the scale. I got to go. Whole Foods was right next door. I had to get the stuff, go home, call her at 530 in the morning. I mean, to tell you, 530. I think I got up at 530 to go to the airport once. But, you know, and I kept waking up 330, is it 530, 430. And then finally I I called her at 530. And then she went over what I wrote down and. Lo and behold, that wasn't even a vegetable that I, I didn't even know what vegetables, you know, so she corrected that and I had that in the house. So, so I was okay. So I left that day and that's, I ate exactly what I wrote on that page. I was so 
I, I just, you know, I get choked up today. Just think about it. I ate exactly what she told me to eat that next day, November 22nd, 1997. That's coming up on 17 years. And, you know, I did, never did anything anybody told me. I could do what they told me, but in my way. You know, I do it my style. Um, and so I did what she said. It was, it just blew me away. So let me tell you before, uh, what I was eating just before I came into the program. I'd get up in the morning and I'd have a protein shake with some fruit. And I'm sure it was way too much protein. And I would be so full and I, I would say, oh, I'm, I'm treating myself right today. And I have a small, bag lunch that I take to college and off I'd go. And, you know, around two or three o'clock, I would go to the vending machine and it was over for me. So after the vending machine, I would leave. I would go to two drive throughs the food court, three places. I had to go to those, that food court. Then I would go to the bakery. I would go to the sweet shop and I'd stop at the Safeway store before I got home and buy something that you bake, but I couldn't wait to bake it. I'd mix it and drink it. And then I'd go over and I'd say, let's see, I had the sweet and the crunchy and the salty, the gooey, the cold, I had this, the that. I had it all. I'm not having that again. The next day, I did it again. I was using plastic. I, I didn't have the cash. I was getting sick. I just could not not eat those things. I had to have them. So when I came into the program, although my top weight was 197, I didn't care what I weighed. Absolutely not. That was so far from my mind. If somebody could just tell me how to stop, how do you stop? I couldn't pass those drive throughs to the food court. I couldn't pass the grocery store. I couldn't pass that sweet shop. I just couldn't. I would say my car was driving me there. And so so I did that for weeks and weeks and weeks until I thought I was possessed. I probably was. I mean, I have food addict mind. I thought I was possessed. And so I don't care if I ever lost a single pound, if somebody could just help me stop doing that. And so now you can see how much of a miracle it was when that day on the 22nd, when I ate what I said I was going to eat. And then I called her that, that next morning. I said, I'm absent. I mean, she just said, good morning. I said, I'm absent. <laughs> and I was, I was just elated. And so, yeah. And the meetings were far. They were over an hour away. And so this went on each and every day. I would, she would say, good morning. I'd say, I'm absent. And she would say so kindly, she would say, thank God. That's all she'd say after that. Thank God. And so after two weeks of this, her saying good morning, me saying, I'm asset. And her saying, thank God. I said, yeah, but I'm doing it. So in two weeks, I already had all my arrogance back, you know? And so when I said I'm doing it, I meant, yeah, I'm chopping and shopping and washing and you know, I found out in the first week that there's seasons on fruit. I remember going to get, getting the, I, I got five of these fruits for the morning. Um, then I went back and the guy said, Oh, they're out of season. <gasps> season? 
The fruit I had was fruit roll-ups. You know, they're, they're always in season. So, so I was really learning. So I was chopping and shopping and getting to my meeting. I, if I wasn't 10 minutes early, I was late. So, you know, if I wasn't calling on time, I don't get the call. So, so that's what I meant. Yeah, well, I'm doing it, you know. And she said so simply, well, Judy, you weren't able to do it before. And I swear to you, I had a spiritual experience. She's so right. I was never able to do it before. Not begging, not, you know, not having it in the house, not any of that stuff. Not having enough money and just go charge it, you know. So she was right. I was never able to do it before. And so at the beginning, I thought, well, it must be her. She's giving me something. <laughs> I'm getting something, you know. And then later, I thought it was the fellowship because I got so much from the meetings. I wasn't able to speak, but I heard what I needed to hear. And people said my story. So, so yeah, I, I had a spiritual experience at that time. And the funny thing is, my sponsor was telling me that she was practicing saying, thank you, God. Her sponsor was helping her find a higher power. And her sponsor told her, just say, thank you, God, for things that go well. And you'll develop this spirituality. So her development of her spirituality, you know, really interconnected with me. And I had the spiritual experience. I still, I'm still blown away by that. You know, and so, yeah, and time went by, you know, I was traveling over an hour to school and my sponsor told me um, that she'd really like me to move closer to the meetings instead of all this traveling every day. I said, I live with my son for free. And she says, well, you'll have to get a part time job. You know what? What can I do? I'm going to school full time and I'm living for free. And she says, you'll find something, you know, and that's that really that development, developing a spiritual belief and a trust. So I got this job taking care of this woman. She was younger than me, but she had an illness and she needed to have someone cook her meals and be with her while she ate and clean her home and go grocery shopping. And that's about it. And in exchange for that, I got the condo right next door to her. And so I, I got this place to live for free. And so then I, to, I told my sponsor, I said, I got the place. But, you know, I ha how am I going to play cable and electricity and everything? She said, well, see if they'll let you rent out the rooms. You know, so I go back to them and I said, would you mind if I rented out a couple of rooms? Um they said, no, that's your condo. As long as you are doing this job, you can do whatever. That's your condo to use. So I rented out a couple of the rooms, and voila, I had money and a place to live for free. And the job was really not – in fact, she helped me. You know, I'd talk about my homework at, at college and stuff, and she was Stanford graduate. I mean, she helped me. And so God provides. God so provides. Um so I moved out of my son's. I moved over there. I got roommates. Um, and then my, my son's business, the lease ran out and he moved to Arizona. So 
only like three months later. So my sponsor knew what I needed, or God told my sponsor what I needed before I knew I even needed it. And so, you know, and I had one um, roommate, and she had the sofa, and she was leaving, and I was getting another roommate, but she had to take the sofa, and I asked her if I could get the sofa or something, you know. And she said, no, no, I've got to take it. So her son-in-law and her son-in-law's husband came to help her move her bedroom furniture and all this stuff out. And so as they were putting it on the van, a man two store two doors down said, anybody need a sofa? I said, oh, I do. He says, okay, but I, I have a bad back. I can't help you move it. And so they... They picked it up. They were moving. They picked it up and moved it right to where that sofa was. I mean, God is unbelievable. But we have to trust. We really have to trust. So another thing I learned in program is I can hear my sponsor saying it now. Judy, practice being satisfied, you know. And so that that was me from a little kid. I wanted what my brother had, what the neighbors had what the kids at school had, you know, I wanted that other family. I mean, that's, that's that my fear, doubt, and insecurity. If I had somebody else's life, that would be better. So I have to practice being satisfied. And so one of the best things I'm satisfied with is my abstinence. My abstinence, my relationship with God, um, and the miracles I've seen where God supplies all my needs. You know, I got married in this program. I met my husband in this program. And um, then what we were told was I had four years of abstinence, and I think he had nine months of abstinence and 15 years of AA. Um, and so my sponsor's sponsor said, no, you need to honor his year. Just because he has 15 years of AA uh, you need to honor his year of abstinence too. So we, we dated a few times and then, um, then we stopped dating until he reached his one year. And then we dated for a year and we were, um, engaged for six months. And then we had a beautiful FA wedding that, uh, FA member married us. And, um, it was practically all FA members there and our, and if you're thinking about that wedding cake, what we had was, Yogurt and strawberries, if you could have it. Yeah, so that's what we had. And uh, I remember when I first started dating, it wasn't with my husband, but a professor at college asked me out. And, and so there I was on the date. It was for lunch. I had seven items to order. They were all over the table. And he had a, a half of this and a cup of that. And so uh, when I talked to my sponsor the next morning, I said, oh, man, he must have thought I was a gold eager. And she says, oh, no, Judy, you're a bargain. You're never going to have hors d'oeuvres or drinks. <laughs> you know? So I went away thinking, I'm a bargain. <laughs> yeah. And so my answers have to come from outside of me. They can't come from me. Because mine are filled with, riddled with fear, doubt, and insecurity. And so I have to be out in front of that. I have to be walking with God. Um, yeah, after we were, after we were married, 
Oh, well, no. First, I graduated from college, uh, which was extraordinary. I mean, uh, so my sponsor said, well, what are you going to do uh, for your graduation? I said, I don't know, nothing. Go to my meeting. And she says, oh, no, this is a milestone in your life. You really need to celebrate this graduation. I said, well, I, you know, I don't have any money. And so she says, well, just ask, you know, have a dinner and ask the people attending to pay. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, I really learned to um, get outside of myself in this program. And so I, I send invitations and I put out how much it was going to cost if they wanted to attend. And there were a ton of people that attended. And so I had I had a memorable milestone of graduating from college at 55 and magna cum laude. And so, so yeah, so I graduated at 55 and I got started dating my husband and we got married at 58. It's almost like, you know, if I was 25 and 28, it's just that there was this big empty hole that food filled for a long time. So, uh, so it, so we got married and, um, we had a beautiful wedding, and then the following year, I f- found out that I had breast cancer. And I went from being this beautiful bride to feeling like this horrible person, this ugly person. But, you know, my fellows rescued me from that, too, you know. And so, yeah, I went through that with my fellows, and that's been over 10 years ago, so I'm grateful. And and so things aren't always you know, really good. They're, they're just, it's just life. But with life, I have a chance if I have a higher power, if I have all my fellows. Um, I remember what, um, I was talking to my sponsor about this today, but I had a, a deposition that I had to go to of, with an attorney. And, uh, this is early in program, I guess a couple years abstinent. And, I said, I can't do it. She said, you can do it. She said, take all your fellows with you. I said, how? And she says, well, when you're sitting there and the camera's on you and they're taking notes, um, the, the attorney is grilling you or whatever, just picture all your fellows sitting in the back like you do at your meeting. And so that's what I did. I just pictured all those fellows behind me. They're behind me, you know? And so that's what that... Everlasting arms, I really believe when we read about that, the everlasting arms, they're here in these rooms. And so I'm really grateful today. Um, one thing we did was uh, I've lived, you know, I'm 69, but it, when I was 65, my husband and I are both same age. We we retired and moved to Florida, so I live in Florida. We don't have the wealth of the fellowship you have here, so you know, practice being satisfied with your fellowship because, you know, we had, we had 18 months, we had my husband would read the format and the next week I'd read the format. I'd raise my hand and get up and read and sit down and then raise my hand again and get up and sit down. I mean, there wasn't any shortcuts and we waited all the way to the hour and a half and put the literature out because, you know, that newcomer could come through the door any time and that's our purpose in life you know we have this treasure i remember reading in the big book that this prospector came across a vein of gold and the thing that he learned was 
that you have to keep working that mine. And as soon as you get your product, you have to give it away. That's the only way you get to keep your vein of gold. So that's what we do. We give it away whenever we can. And so uh, when we first moved, uh, and we do love it in Florida, but like I say, the fellowship, it takes time to build up. We did go two and a half hours to one way to the meeting in Daytona Beach. Uh, we did that for three years. And so, and two and a half hours back, and then the meetings were three hours. That's a lot of sitting. <laughs> but, you know, we did that. We put in our dues, and we helped that fellowship over there, too. Because, you know, I think that's what we do. We breathe life into one another, you know, when we share our stories. And so we come alive, and I'm grateful for that. Um, so let's see. Um, I'm really grateful to be here today and to be with all of our fellows. I see so many faces, and I remember so many times we were together. Uh, you know, one of the things I want to say is uh, kind of backtracking a little bit, but remember I told you when I, I'd have to have, I, I could not pass that food court without getting that stuff. I mean, I, I had to have it. I'd think of it and I'd have to get it. The funny thing is after I had it, that wasn't it, but it's going to be in that the other store. And I, so I'll get, get it there. And then I'd have it and I'd say, that was really good, but that wasn't it either. And I'd get this other stuff and this other stuff. And so what I learned in this program, I'm the it. You know, I keep thinking, oh, if that's it or that other house or that family or something. No, I'm the it. When these thoughts get in my mind, when that food gets in my body, it's over for me. It's over for me. So I really need to protect myself. Uh, in the FA book on page nine at the bottom, it says we're unwilling or unable to care for our own health and our life. That's me. If it wasn't for you, all of you, for the people that went before me, for that sponsor that kept saying, thank you, God, I wouldn't be able to help myself. I wouldn't care for myself. It's just destruction. And so since I know I'm the it, I have to protect myself. You know, I have to weigh and measure my food. I have to have it in the house before I decide that's what I'm going to have to eat. I have to go to my meetings. I have to get there 10 minutes early. I have to have service position. Um, I have to be of service. I have to sponsor. Um, I, uh, I love sponsoring. Oh, and then those, that time, like I told you, that small meeting, there were so many people came in. A couple came in and they were arguing. I'm not there. I'm not the food I have. He's the food I have. No, she is. She has stuff at the bottom of the pantry and all this stuff. I mean, we've just seen it all. But they just don't, they don't want to stay. I am so grateful that we found that goal and we're staying. And, you know, and passing it on. And if there's anything I could say is that just don't eat no matter what. No matter what, don't eat, and the miracle happens. And sometimes people would say, well, what is that miracle? Well, sometimes it's just that you get more food. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's it. But sometimes you get 
you get that spiritual experience. And I don't want to ever give up my serenity. I believe it's a place. Somehow I stepped into it. I'm in serenity. And so I don't want to give it up. Thank you. Would you all please join me in a moment of silence and the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.